0: Chapter 9 Gom ran to the cleft mouth. Only steps in front of him was the edge of the high cliff. Where could he go? He had no idea which direction Zamul had taken, and it was perilous to move about that cliff edge in the dark. He decided to watch by Zamul's pack and hope for the man's return. And if the conjurer didn't come back? Don't even think it, Gum told himself. He squatted, his back to wet rock wall, pulled his collar up about his ears, and waited. Dawn came late and slow. The rain was gone, yet a layer of higher cloud still blocked out the sun. Brushing the surface damp from his clothes, Gom got to his feet in the cold light, stretched stiffly, went to the cliff edge, and peered over. Directly below him was a small island, a miniature mountain, poking up out of the dull grey water like a clack wife's Sunday hat with pointed peak and round, white-laced brim. Had Sir gone down there? If so, how? The cliff overhang looked impossible to climb, even for him, let alone the conjurer. A large bird circled overhead. Gum looked up apprehensively. But it appeared to be a raven, blue-black, not grey, and with no sign of a skull. "'What a fool of a creature, standing out here in the middle of nowhere, gawping at a chunk of rock!' it screeched. "'Whatever will Tark see next?' Gom breathed in relief. It was a raven, and as cantankerous as any he'd ever banded words with. Tark will see, he called back harshly, cupping his hands about his mouth. Tark will see a fool of a big black bird tumble into grief, if he doesn't mind his manners. Tark was so surprised, he tumbled down anyway. Well, I never! How extraordinary! A human talking! He tucked in his glossy wings and cocked his head. You are human, aren't you? It's difficult to tell. Such a scrawny thing that you are. What are you doing here, and how came you to speak the tongue? I learned Raven up on the mountain where I was born, Gum replied. As for what I'm doing, I'm looking for a man, a big man in bright green breeches, a black velvet hat with a red feather, and a thick brown coat. Have you seen him? Man, There's no man here. Tark glanced nervously toward the island. Gom caught the glance. Ah, Tark had seen Zamul, and Zamul had gone down there. But not by climbing. How then? Tark knew, Gom would bet. But would the raven tell him? Ravens were stubborn and willful and for all their sober plumage, inveterate tricksters. Even if Tark did speak, it might not be the truth, unless Gom could con it out of him. Gom cleared his throat. That island down there, he pointed, I want to explore it. Tark squawked in disgust. What an odd creature is this human! Clever and stupid, both at once. Cause and claws, listen! As he spoke, the island began to shake with a great rumbling noise that sent huge waves thundering against the cliffs. Gum's hand went to his chest. What was that? A monster! Tark squawked. A monster lies under there that will tear you limb from limb. A monster? Did Tark mean the Skullbird? No. It wasn't heavy enough to set a whole island shaking in this way. Gum's eyes widened. But it might, in its true form. The Death's Head was it... THE MONSTER? MONSTER. Mother Chubb, the herb wife, back in Clack, had a brass knocker on her front door, in the shape of a snarling face. To keep bad spirits away, so she said. But the townsfolk called it a hideous monstrosity in itself. During his run-ins with old Gaffergudgeon, the old man would complain of Gom's forward tongue, or monstrous lip, as the gaffer called it. The Clack merchants called their annual clear-out a monster sale, a term that Gom linked not so much with the goods as with their prices. Monstrosity, monstrous, monster. A hideous thing, or offensive or of extraordinary size. If the Death's Head were this monster, then it was all of these things, and also evil, into the bargain. Come on, he urged himself, you lost your mother's stone. You must get it back, and fast. He chose his next words with care. Sounds interesting he said casually. "'How do you get over there?' "'I don't,' Tark snapped back. "'Not as anyone else with sense these days. But if I went, I'd fly!' "'I don't mean you,' Garm said. I mean you, that is, me.' "'You?' Tark sounded scandalized. "'Are you completely daft? Didn't you hear that racket?' Do you want to get yourself killed? He surveyed Grom critically. If I did know a way for humans, I certainly wouldn't tell you. The old bird prepared to fly off. Wait, Grom urged. There is one, isn't there, and you do know it? He stared at Tark until the old raven fluffed out his feathers nervously. I've just remembered an urgent appointment, Tark said. Got to go. Goodbye. Goodbye? Tark mustn't go. Not until he'd told all Gom needed to know. Gom thought fast. Bluff was the only way. Goodbye, Gom said. Bending down, he picked up a pebble and weighed it as though he meant to throw it the moment the raven left the ground. Of course, he'd never actually have thrown it, but the bird didn't know that. Well, Tark thrust his head out indignantly, to be held to ransom in one's own back yard, whatever next. Tell me the way onto that island and I'll let you go, Gom said. Certainly not. The old bird snapped back, and folks stupid enough to ignore good advice deserve all they get. Tark turned his back on Gom and began to peck angrily in the dirt. Gom sighed, stubborn old creature. He gazed down at the water, then at the island so close to the shore. There must be a tunnel or, more probably, a shaft, running down to the base of the cliff, then bending under the sound to come up under the island peak like the handle of an upside-down walking stick. Tunnels and shafts were nothing to him. He'd learned about them under Windy Mountain. But the surrounding area atop the cliff was all folds and clefts. Like the ones in which he and Zamul had sheltered. Finding the tunnel entrance could waste precious time. Therefore, Gom concluded, the bird must show it to him. Gom studied Tark thoughtfully. As well as being stubborn and willful and inveterate tricksters, ravens were also vain. Especially about their wit and wisdom. Maybe he could outsmart this old creature after all. There is a way, I'm sure of it, Gom muttered, as if to himself, yet loudly enough for Tark to hear. But this poor thing, for all his airs, clearly doesn't know it. Tark hopped around. Don't know! don't know of course i know you do his eyes gleaming Gom pretended to think is it my boat silly tark screeched how would you reach a boat from up here if not over is it through the water swimming maybe no indeed you'd still not get down there one more try Gom could scarcely hide his excitement. "'What a pretty riddle this is,' he said, ruffling up his hair. "'The way onto that island lies not over the water, not through the water, but—' "'Go on, go on!' urged Tark. "'I'm trying. "'Not over, not through, but—' "'Under lies the way.' "'Under? "'How?' Gom held his breath. One wrong word, and all would be lost. Tark croaked derisively. A tunnel! A tunnel! What a ninny you are! Tunnel! Of course! Gom smacked a hand to his brow, trying to hide his glee. Now to find out where its entrance was. He was just about to pitch his next question, when Tark shot loudly into the air. "'Why, you've tricked me, shameful creature! You want the tunnel entrance? Find it yourself!' he cried, and flew away. "'Come back!' Gom called after him, but in vain. The sun was climbing, lightening the haze. Had Zamul handed over the rune now? Gom bit his lip. He must get on, without the raven's help. Quickly Gom stowed staff and pack in the cleft where he'd spent the night, and was just leaving when the cliff began to tremble and shake. Gom braced himself against the cleft wall while the ground moved under him, a monster that would tear you limb from limb. The trembling grew more violent until Gom was thrown to the floor. There he stayed, his arms over his head, until all was quiet again. As he got up, faint hope stirred within him the death's-head monster seemed angry. Maybe Samuel hadn't delivered the rune yet after all. With renewed will, Gom set to work to find the secret tunnel, exploring each crevice in turn along the cliff-top. The sun was almost overhead when he found it. A fissure so narrow and crooked that he might have missed it had it not been for the tiny bright green thread snatched on a sharp rock spur at knee-height. He picked it off with care and held it up. It was a vivid green—the green of Samuel's breeches, exactly. So, Gon thought, eyeing the crack in excitement, this was the tunnel's entrance. Zamul had squeezed his great size through there to take a dark and surely dangerous way? He must have had help of some sort. Gom pictured the death's head, and, shuddering, resolved to watch his step. He held up the bright green thread for wind to take out over the cliff edge, then With a deep breath, he turned and squeezed through the crack. He'd taken no more than a few steps into the tunnel beyond, when daylight suddenly vanished, leaving him in darkness, thick as fog. He stood quite still, listening, feeling the draughts on his face. Who comes into my halls this time, disturbing the peace? Gum smiled. Goodbye, Cessary, he'd bade the breeze under Windy Mountain. Cessary, who'd taught him how to find his way about tunnels and shafts in the dark by judging her subtle draughts on his face. I shan't forget you. I know you won't her mocking voice had answered, "'Wherever you go there'll be a relative of mine, and that will be me.' Now Cesare laughed delightedly, caressing his face. "'You know me, then, or a cousin of mine, which is the same thing? What are you doing here?' I'm trying to get down to the island. Is there a shaft leading under the sound? That there is, and a treacherous one, too. You are the second body to come down here in a short space. But the other was not like you. He was clumsy and noisy. I thought he'd not survive the first step down, but... Her voice trailed away. The second body to come down? Zamul? Gom's heart began to beat faster. But what, Cesare? Gom asked, trying not to sound impatient. The other aided him. Gom's skin pricked with fear. Other? What do you mean? Cesare didn't answer. She never answered once Gom betrayed interest in what she said. But she did blow gently along the way ahead, and Gom could tell at once that a few steps farther along the tunnel floor ended abruptly. Step by careful step he advanced, guided by Cesare. Until suddenly, just as he'd judged, level tunnel fell away sharply into vertical shaft that should lead down inside the cliff, fetching up beneath a sound. From there, a tunnel running under the sound should connect cliff to island, then bend up again under the little peak itself. He took off his boots tied their laces together, and slung them around his neck. Then, turning about, he lowered himself over the edge of the shaft, and slid first one foot, then the other, down the rock, searching for toeholds holes Secure at last, he let go of the floor above his head, and climbed slowly, steadily, going lower and feeling the air growing colder, until suddenly he heard a sort of growling and a slow rhythmic beat as of a great heart pounding. He paused, the sweat starting all over in spite of the cold. "'Cessary, is that the other?' Cesare's light laugh answered him, Oh no, little one. What you hear is the deep sound, the pulse of Great Krug itself. Great Krug, the name of the sound that he'd not been able to read on the map. Thanking Cesare, Gom climbed on. Still he descended, until once more he felt the solid floor of a passage under his feet. He went on slowly, aware now of the ground curving gently down. Aha! he thought. He'd climbed down the shaft and he was now treading the underwater tunnel from cliff to island. If he judged right, when he came to the end of that, he'd be at last under the island peak. On he went, downward over wet, slimy rock, and on. He began to grow anxious. Surely the tunnel should have bottomed out by now. Cesare, aren't I almost there? Oh yes, you are, you little quick thing. And now I'm going to leave you, for I've other things to Accessory was gone, but sure enough, the ground began to turn upward again, until he was climbing well above sea level, under the tiny island peak. At last, the tunnel merged with a deep and noisy stream. Grom stopped, listening intently to the rushing water. If the echoes told right. The way ahead opened into a high, wide cavern. The monster's lair. He pictured the bone-white skull hovering in the darkness, above whatever hideousness it possessed for a physical body, its dark eye sockets staring toward the tunnel, waiting for Gom to emerge. Coward! He told himself sternly, and made himself walk on.